Kathleen Folbeek has served 20 years of a 30-year sentence for killing her four children. She had exhausted all of her avenues for appeal, and only after petitioning from grassroots supporters and legal representatives on the basis of new forensic pathology assessments did the New South Wales Governor open an inquiry into her convictions. That was back in 2019, and despite those new forensic assessments being heard, Judicial Officer Reginald Blanche was not convinced there was a reasonable doubt cast by any of that evidence. During the course of that inquiry, however, a rare gene mutation possessed by the Folbig girls was identified by two teams of researchers. One of those teams pursued research into that gene and concluded it would potentially explain the cause of the girls' deaths. That then led to another petition to the Governor of New South Wales, and New South Wales Attorney General Mark Speakman recommended that a second inquiry be opened into Fulbick's convictions. That inquiry has just finished hearing evidence from the geneticists behind that research, as well as cardiologists, forensic pathologists, paediatricians, and psychology experts. Quite a lot of science. But science that would not have been heard if not for the state of New South Wales enacting the rare provisions of a governor's inquiry. So what can be done to make sure that science that's potentially relevant to a case is heard when conventional means of appeal is exhausted? The Australian Academy of Science was granted leave by the Commission to appear as an independent scientific advisor to this inquiry. Its chief executive is Anna Maria Arabia. Anna Maria, thanks for your time. And I guess this whole inquiry and the role of the Academy within it makes me wonder what the Academy itself would like to see when it comes to science being presented in court settings. The Australian Academy of Science um, would like to see science heard wherever decisions are made and uh, the justice system is no exception. So decisions are, you know, we often think of evidence-informed decision-making in our parliament, uh, in our in boardrooms, in investment decisions and things like that. But in the justice system, it is equally important uh, for science to be heard. So the Academy would, would like uh, science and scientific expertise to be carefully selected, uh, the right experts to be brought before those participating in the justice system, whether they be judges or commission commissioners of inquiries or other people making decisions in the justice system, so as to best inform their decision making. We know that uh, science is increasingly complex. It's moving quickly. There are an array of sub-disciplines that are now um, active and alive and well within the science sector, Um, and it is becoming more difficult to know which is the most relevant expert and to be able to inquire and interrogate those experts in a way that enables the justice system to receive accessible and accurate scientific information to inform their decisions. Because you say that, but I guess we already do see scientific experts giving evidence in courts around the country every day. Can you shed some light on how that selection process currently works? Yes, we certainly do. And and needless to say, our legal system and our uh, justice system is adversarial. And I understand why that's the case. And it's absolutely appropriate that that be the case. So there's usually two sides of the argument, prosecution, defence, or uh, however you like to describe those. And each side selects their expert. 
scientists are asked to be expert witnesses uh, in cases all of the time. And the vast majority will tell you once they've done it once, they never want to do it again. <laughs> uh, and the reason for that is because of the adversarial nature of the justice system. So again, it is appropriate that it be adversarial, but we know science and the deliberations around science um, are not uh, don't really play out in that way. Pitting two sciences against each other is probably not the best way to get to the bottom of what the evidence is 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 telling um, a courtroom or a jury. We are of the view that the scientific evidence, whilst there might be difference in views around that scientific evidence, there are all the time. Science is contested every single day and scientists themselves uh, seek to advance the knowledge base through that process of, of deliberation and um, publication of new, of new knowledge. Whilst that does happen, being able to present those experts to uh, the system independently or in a way that informs both sides would be far more beneficial and allow the science to remain independent of the of the that adversarial nature nature of um of the uh, of that justice setting that legal setting uh so there are ways we could do that better um i'm not suggesting that expert witnesses say anything that is not truthful but inevitably through that cross-examination process every side's trying to get their witness to say what they need them to say and often scientists feel very cornered or expected to answer yes no in areas that are clearly not yes no or where knowledge is evolving so there's got to be a better way for science to be presented so that decision makers can make an informed view on accurate science that's been presented and that has and and they should be available to cross examination absolutely by both sides we've seen in other inquiries, including the first Felby inquiry, but also other processes, um, not just in Australia, but in similar British-based legal systems, the concept of having panels convened to kind of iron out the points of agreement so that they can then be asked about points of disagreement and hot tubbing. What type of model uh, might otherwise work other than, I guess, those sorts of scenarios that have been explored in, in previous settings? They're, they're terrific. So that um, the panel model and the hot tubbing is an opportunity for some of those um, differences in views or where there are, you know, a bit uh, between scientists to be elaborated, um, and, and that's terrific. Another model would be uh, for um, rather than the selection of those experts by Either, both sides, an independent body or a panel could be established to assist in the selection of experts. So an expert would come on board having been identified by an independent panel as being the most qualified or expert or relevant um, scientific domain for this particular case. So it would remove the selection of those scientists and experts from that adversarial setting. And then the the, the the panel of deliberation and the hot tubbing and those sort of mechanisms could still come into play. But the, the mere selection means that they are a pool of scientists available to all sides who have been selected for their expertise. What about looking to potentially overseas models? I know that in certain circumstances, a assessor type role is used to advise a magistrate or a judicial officer in, in explaining complex ideas to them is that that's clearly not something that's been used uh, certainly widely within this country and, and others like ours but would that european style model potentially be something you would support as well 
Yes, possibly. I mean, I've not seen it in action directly, but the concept of having uh, science made accessible is something we completely support. Um, We've seen this in action in the second inquiry into Kathleen Folbig's convictions where two Danish scientists um, spent six hours effectively explaining a the relevance of a scientific mutation and putting that into context starting with evolutionary biology it was six hours of viewing that should probably be compulsory viewing for every science law graduate in the country and the reason i say that is because it was such an opportunity for the commissioner to inter and council assisting to interrogate these scientists in a way that stepped out why the knowledge we have today and why the new findings that were presented to this inquiry are relevant and uh, and, and it was contextualised in a way that made sense. So uh, the, the legal um, practitioners shouldn't and can't possibly keep up to date with all new discoveries in science and they're, they're happening hourly daily um, and being published at that rate. And so to be able to uh, be given that scientific context context to have it explained in a way and in this case it was deeply accessible if you were not a scientist you understood what effect what this new information was what the functional assay results meant in a context that was so relevant and why what we know about evolutionary uh, biology and how genes are preserved over time is important to a finding that we've made today it was an exquisite i thought uh, presentation of scientific evidence in a way that was accessible and I thought very fair for everyone involved. If we consider your proposition that a panel, an independent panel may then independently select or or advise on the best expert to give evidence, I guess to me I hear singular and we've seen through this inquiry but also in courtrooms across the country multiple experts. Would such a, a, a body be required potentially to provide more than one perspective on a particular branch of science, depending on what the issue was, just to get a fuller perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. So scientists themselves always disagree and enter into debate about those disagreements through their publications, through conferences and public formats. So I think the breadth of that nuance that's being presented, because often that's what um, the outcome falls to, uh, should absolutely be put forward, as we've seen in this case, where there's there's been a range of scientific experts in similar domains um, who have presented slightly different views and have been asked about their expertise and who they defer to and not defer to in order to get to where the consensus is and in the case of the justice system, whether there's reasonable doubt as to a conviction. So that, that's been in this case, but that would apply to others as well. And so uh, the legal system can apply the, um, the rules and the requirements that they have to arrive at their conclusions, um, acknowledging that there are other forms of evidence that they also rely on to arrive at their conclusions. But the scientific and technical nature of those scientific deliberations should absolutely entertain the nuance around those arguments. Absolutely. And I guess uh, today we've had the inquiry adjourned until April before final submissions. Uh, But irrespective of the outcome, what uh, is the Academy hoping that this process will achieve? It's our hope uh, that science will have been heard by decision makers, so by uh, the Commissioner and by Council Assisting, 
uh, we have been able to provide advice on experts who can bring their domain expertise to this inquiry. We've been able to interrogate questions put to them and make suggestions around how they can be refined to enable the best explanation and presentation of that science. As a mechanism, I hope this is a demonstration case for what can be achieved in the future. Of course, I hope that science is heard uh, here, as I would hope science is heard wherever decisions are made. And And the last thing I would add to that is it is our hope that this case enables some consideration of law reform for Australia. And what I mean by that is this inquiry has been called because there is no post-appeals mechanism for new scientific discoveries that may bring reasonable doubt as to a conviction or uh, an existing case for those for that for that those discoveries to be heard there is not a mechanism after the appeal stage and this case the Kathleen Folby case squarely falls there so um, Kathleen Folby has exhausted all of her appeal options the Australian Academy of Science and others were involved in petitioning the governor uh, to have this new science heard because there was no other mechanism available to us she Governor um, Beasley then asked Uh, uh, Margaret Beasley then asked uh, the Attorney-General to provide advice and the Attorney-General was in a terrible situation, Attorney-General Mark Speakman, the Attorney-General of New South Wales, because he did have the executive powers to grant a pardon but no member of parliament, no elected official should have to take on that responsibility. It's exactly why we have a justice system. But it does show this shortcoming in the justice system where there is not an opportunity or a mechanism for that evidence to be heard. And so the New South Wales Attorney General suggested to the to the governor uh, that a new inquiry be opened. And so he did revert back to a justice system to enable the new evidence to be heard. And that's terrific. It was, a, I think, a very wise decision and one that has the public confidence in it because new evidence can be heard and interrogated appropriately. That's why we are where we are today. How would we avoid that? What law reform options are available to Australia to avoid this situation again? One of the best mechanisms, one of the things that we would like to see is the establishment of a criminal case review commission. These exist in other countries precisely for this reason. So Once appeals have been exhausted, a criminal case review commission would be be charged with determining whether a case needs to be reopened or a a mechanism within the justice system needs to be activated. They've been used with great success across the world. Australia does not have a criminal case review commission. The nature of the Australian legal system, we're federated, would require every state and territory to have their own. There are other models that we could pursue there. There could be a federal criminal case review commission to which state and territory matters are referred. They could determine if they passed a threshold for reconsideration or reopening of that case. And if that threshold is passed, they could be referred back to the respective state um, uh, legal system to implement and to and to um, further advance. So there is there would be some efficiencies, I think, within a federated model of having one national criminal case review commission or every state and territory could move in that direction. That would be a significant improvement in our legal science environment and ecosystem, which the Academy uh, is is pursuing and uh, would like to see as law reform that emerges from this very case. I guess it'll be just a case of wait and see. Anna-Maria Arabia, thank you for your time. Thank you ever so much. It's great to speak with you. 
You can read more about the science behind the inquiry into Kathleen Folby's convictions at cosmosmagazine.com. This podcast was produced by the Royal Institution of Australia in Adelaide on Ghana land. The Royal Institution of Australia is a not-for-profit whose mission is to communicate science widely as the key to a better world. We do this through our stories, which are turned into educational resources, teaching the scientists of tomorrow about the science of today in classrooms across Australia. You can support us by subscribing to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's premier science magazine, and Cosmos Weekly, its sister e-publication.